This is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edmonds. So we are back with the wonderful Monica talking uh, in this episode about kind of, I guess, basically fear and what happens to us when we experience fear, what comes up, what we can kind of do to deal with it. Have I, have I introduced that topic? Well, Monica, do you have any more, any more to say on (laughs) fear? Well, it's a big topic, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think the thing about fear is that to, to remember that it's usually associated with a really basic need, which is survival. And, um, it's, you know, when we, we're fearful, we're perceiving that something's going to go wrong or there's a danger or, you know, that's the sort of natural, general sort of sense of when people mention fear. Mm-hmm. But I suppose I sort of think of fear in, um, I do do consider it in, that t- in those terms, but I also consider it has a lot to do with control and mm-hmm. our need to control particularly our external world which of course is pretty um pretty impossible to do really yeah and that fact is being driven home to us right now i think i think we had the semblance of control we're like if i do this then this will happen actually i want to write that down to talk about later the um uh transaction versus transformation mindset but yeah we like have such an illusion that things are in our control so therefore we're safe and i think this whole Mm stuff that's going on in the world is making us understand that like that's just an illusion Mm. yes yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's that i think fear is very much married to the unknown Mm. yeah when we when we're unable to perceive or grasp or see or touch or feel something that then that causes our emotions to come online and fear then takes over i mean fear clearly is an emotion that and a lot of people you know uh have issues with fear fear is fear is not all negative i mean fear is actually something that um it, at, at first level it's it's a basic survival thing in humanity you know if you if there's a woolly mammoth coming <laughs> at you, you know, then it is you know, you're not going to sort of stop there and have a little contemplation <laughs> about, you know, what to do or what, what does this mean or anything like that. <laughs> you're just going to run for your life, yeah. you know. So I think there's this natural or innate thing that fear it resides in us for survival. But I'm assuming that you're more interested in this exploration to be looking at fear in other contexts is that correct yeah yeah and kind of i guess because there are some basic things and again um i don't want to assume people's experience listening to this like there may be people that are experiencing same as in the grief episode like people may be losing loved ones or people may be sick listening to this or people you know so fear obviously is keeping us safe like it's important that we're like we're afraid of xyz or you know our loved one has an autoimmune disease i better be ultra careful like whatever it is like and a sense of 
fear that makes us do the right thing by our community as well. But I guess it's the fear... I don't know. I think the fear that is maybe like the less useful fear, like you and I have talked about before this idea of like fact versus fiction. I think when we feel afraid and we're put into fight or flight, it can be really difficult to distinguish between what is true in a situation and what is not true, especially when it's unknown. So we're like, well, anything could be true. And it's like, hang on, take a step back. So maybe beginning there is is the thing. Yeah, I think the if you look at it, you know, your audience is 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 broad. I know, but if as creative people, you know, we're actually masters, I believe, at um, telling ourselves stories. Oh yeah. And, um, and those stories, and you know, look, those stories have been built on past experience. So, for example, you know, you might be going for an audition, or you might be entering an artwork in a competition or you might be um you know writing a book and you and in the past you you had a book rejected as a with a publisher or you haven't got certain roles that you've, you've gone for or whatever so you know there's a history of rejection and there's a history of there that that will fuel a sense of fear having fear oh yeah um and and you know i think there's a whole it's it's such a big conversation fear because you know if we if we get locked in in playing us in playing a story in our minds or running what we call the b-grade movie in our minds about something that hasn't even happened and then fear come fear comes online and we live out of that that position of fear then that is an incredibly unresourceful way to be in the world Mm. so you know we're running around really at you know, half our half our potential, because we're we're actually in the future which doesn't exist, or we're caught in the past which also doesn't exist. Yeah. So you know, when you sort of talk about, um, well, let's look at the facts. You know, I often say to my clients who are saying, "Oh, you know, I'm really really nervous." In fact, I was coaching someone the other day. You know, I'm really really nervous. I've got this audition. You know, last time I did this audition for a voiceover, I just froze. I totally stuffed it up. And of course, I've got all of that memory coming back on, and I just, I really, really want this gig, and I, I'm just beside myself. So we did an exercise of, um, you know, just basically looking at the fact. Well, okay, what was the fact that happened last time? And you know, she explained. Well, actually, she she didn't get the script till a few moments before she had to step in front of the microphone. There were 10 people on a panel who talked the minute she opened her mouth. They were talking constantly oh, man. through the actual audition. They were behind a glass. She could see them. She, she was on headphones. She said it was – I said, so, yeah, okay, I can understand why you would be approaching this new audition with a lot of fear, but let's look at the facts. Mm. Uh, is there going to be a panel of 10 people? No. Is there going to be – no. Is there going to be such and such? No. And so, so yeah. you know, there were, there were, yes, that was a that was a crappy experience for her, but the situation was not a good one anyway. It, you know, even even you know the best well planned um, audition could not have dealt with what she was thrust into. Mm. So there is a real place where fact has to come into countering the the sort of. Um, uh, um, what's the word? You know, c- countering that flow of fear that can be just c- 
completely take over. Yeah, and I think then also we kind of catastrophize in that moment as well. Like, especially if we're imaginative, creative people, we put yeah. all our energy into the, like, what if everything goes terribly wrong? And it's just like, what if it doesn't? Like, you know? Exactly. And for me, what's always grounding is, like, as you say, coming back to that fact, like, what are the facts in this situation? Is that really a fact or am I perceiving that to be a fact? And it's not about like being cold about it, but it's about just being like, what is, what is just the fact of the situation? Not my opinion, not my perspective, not my like lens I'm bringing onto it. And what's my story? Ah, can you talk about B grade movies actually in that? I think that's really useful because that happens in fear a lot you know, whether in the world situation or in our lives, lives as creatives or whatever? Yeah, so, uh, you know, listeners would be aware of Brené Brown's The Stories We Tell Ourselves in um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which I'm trained in that modality. When we talk about B-grade movies, what happens in our mind is that we have an external, we have something externally happens, like you and I talking here is an external event outside of myself, outside of yourself. And we have a filter system that comes on in our minds that is 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 actioned through our values, through our what we believe, our past experiences, our memories. You know, all of that sort of stuff is part of, makes up what we call this filter system. And so an external event is washed through the filter system. And then with that, we then make make up a story or we create a movie about what is happening or what's going to happen and mm-hmm. from there we then experience some physiology so our, our our thoughts and our feelings and our physiology comes on board based on the story that we tell ourselves or the movie we play and then of course our behavior plays out with whatever we're we're um, experiencing so for example using the audition so what was happening, this person was playing a B, what I, what, what I and her would call a B-grade movie. So she was, she was no, the external fact was I'm going for a, an, an interview tomorrow or an audition tomorrow. She then moved to recalling a really bad experience that she had in a previous audition. Then she sort of started to think about future pace that to the sense of, oh, tomorrow when I go for this, it, you know, this, 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 this could happen and this could happen and that could happen and what if I forgot the thing and what is this? <laughs> and so she creates a movie about what is going to happen tomorrow. And then, of course, she comes to me in a coaching environment feeling like, oh, my God, the whole thing is, you know, <laughs> is going, going, going crap. So <laughs> what we did was we looked at fact first and foremost. We looked at, well, what's... Yeah, what movie are you playing in your mind? Because it hasn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like tomorrow hasn't happened. So whatever you're playing is actually completely and utterly fabricated. Are you aware of that? Oh, yes, I am. Okay, so let's create a, we're going to create a movie irregardless. That's what our brains do. They create movies or we tell ourselves stories. So, you know, the coaching process is to encourage someone to play a really, really good movie. <laughs> play yeah. one. That, play one. That is super resourceful. So we, in this case, we talked about that. We talked about who she wants to be. We talked about how she wants to present herself. She talks about. We talked about, you know, how the things that she can control in the, in tomorrow's audition, 
and how she was going to show up in that moment. And then we did, and I've shared this with you too, and I did the stepping in exercise mm. where, you know, people can sort of step into their, to their best self in the face of whatever it is that they're um, coming up against, in this case, the audition. And, um, you know, by the end of the session, she felt so, so relaxed. She felt in a power because she knew the script. She knew she prepared really well for it. You know, there's no magic sauce if we're not prepared. Yeah. But, you know, she was prepared. She was prepared. It was her mindset that was getting in the way. It was her beliefs and her and this B-grade movie that she was playing. Mm. So she was able to go to the audition. She did the audition. She rang me immediately after she came out. She said, Mom, it was absolute magic. She said, I didn't fluff anything up. They were really <laughs> attentive. I stepped in. The moment I stepped into the booth, I stepped into all of the things that we created together or that I'd created and I practiced stepping in at home before I did it and she got the job. That's awesome. <laughs> but what was really interesting about that coaching, and this is important to say, what I also was sort of helping or coaching her around was what if she didn't get the job? Yeah, exactly. You know, because the thing is, and 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 where she left the coaching prior to actually doing the audition, she felt completely and utterly relaxed about the fact if she didn't get it. Yeah. Because now it wasn't dependent on her. She wasn't bringing all that fear and that, that sort of worst-case scenario program to, to the moment. She was bringing, in a sense, a clean, a clean channel, a clean yeah. vessel. Like yeah. she was just bringing just her truth to it. And it was, and you know, it was beautiful. It was and I guess great. Like Either way, worth, she was fine. Yeah, exactly. Like her worth's not caught up in that. It's like I know I'm okay. So whatever exactly. turns out the situation, you know. Um, yep. What you were saying reminded me of something else that we've spoken about before. Is the idea of like, you know, you've asked me before, if I were to be you, how talk me through how I would make myself feel this physical whatever symptom like nervous about an audition in this case or whatever and i remember you know you've said to me hey step through it and it's like where do you break the cycle for want of a better word like what can you i love the thing you say of like what's the difference that will make the difference so in that process like what do you change in order not to get that same thing because we think it's just oh it's a foregone conclusion i think about the audition and i get nervous it's like, no, there's like 50 things that happen before that and stories that we tell ourselves. So when can we stop doing that? It's really, it's really good. Anything that's a habit, you know, it's like getting nervous for an audition generally is a habit. Mm. You know, if you find that every audition you go to, you get nervous, that's a habit. You've perfected it. You yeah. know, you've, you've actually perfected something that <laughs> that is actually not serving you generally. Mm. So, so a habit that's formed... For whatever reason, you we don't. This is the beauty of coaching. You don't need to sort of unpack why you you know have a fight with your mother or why you're, <laughs> yeah, you you know, exactly. you know you don't go in. I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean that in a derogatory sort of way for therapists because therapy is an important thing. But generally, in generally, when people are carrying a habit like like what we're talking about here, it can be changed by recreating it. You know, by recreating the, the pattern and the way to break the pattern in a very simplistic thing. I mean, it takes a while to break a pattern. But the thing is to, to step, if, if I was to ask you, okay, you get nervous at a, at a rehearsal, what, give me the recipe for that. Yeah. So if I was to emulate that, how would I do your getting nervous? How would I do that? Give me the rest. What's the first step I'd have to take? 
Mm. And, you know, people sort of stop and they think, well, um, I'd have to think, think about tomorrow or I'd have to, you know, think about the audition or I'd have to bring to mind. or And so what happens is you can usually circumvent the actual, if you like, the trajectory of the pattern in the very one or two first steps. Yeah, yeah. And it's a powerful realisation that, that once you once you are able to stop that in its tracks, it cannot, it can't proceed, it can't move forward because it needs all of those various synapses to connect it mm. to bring you to a place of feeling like, you know, it's all going to go to hell in the handbasket. Yeah. So if you, can, if you can stop any one of those synapses along the way in your brain then you can create a brand new resourceful way to approach whatever. And then in a, in a sense, in the face of anything, you, you yeah, really, that's what I was going to ask cope with anything. Yeah. You know, in the face of kind of the huge situation in the world right now, like, is that applicable? Like to, for me, I feel obviously like, yes, because we want to be well resourced stepping into this challenge to everything that we know and are, um, and for me, that is what takes us into that place of being well-resourced. But could you say more about, you know, is this applicable to major situations where, you know, we, we are threatened or the people that we love are threatened to whatever level for each of our listeners? Um, but, mm. yeah, how do, we, how do we apply it to something that's maybe a little bit more life and death than mm. an audition mm. going well? So the thing about an audition, because it's just to connect the scenarios, if you like. So with mm-hmm. an audition, if we did the the process of working through that model um, with that client of mine, and she was not prepared, mm-hmm. you know, she hadn't learnt the script, if she didn't know what time to turn up, yeah. if she didn't know what to dress, what to dress him. In other words, if she hadn't done her part of the bargain, if she hadn't prepared, then forget it you know no amount of her having the right mindset or being prepped in an internal way is going to cause some magic thing to happen and i think it's very similar in the case of you know the coronavirus or any other sort of um global you know threat or catastrophe that you know could we could be faced with at any time in our in our society the most important thing is we have to do what we know we need to do at a sensible preparatory level. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm not going to wash my hands when I go out and do the grocery shopping, if I'm not going to wear gloves, if I'm, if I'm going to cough, you know, be in the, not keep my 1.5 metres, which is the deal here in Australia, mm. then you know what? No amount of mind stuff is going to yeah, stop yeah. me from getting a virus. Yeah, totally. um, you know, it's like it's just silly. So, but but I suppose um, you know to to follow through on the story side of things. If I'm doing everything that I can do to protect myself and my family and to be well in the face of this virus, the next step for me and the and the at least at least the companion step is to make sure I'm managing my mind in all yeah. of this and my emotions and my spirit in all of this. Mm. And so I instead of catastrophizing. Or bringing in a worst case scenario B grade movie, like oh my gosh, you know, like in my case in the Northern Beaches where I live, I know that there are 175 cases at the moment, 
and we are we're running second in in Sydney. Oh, great! It's not a race you really want to win. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> exactly. you don't want to become one, two, or three in this race. Yeah. So I know that in my suburb, there's more people infected with coronavirus than there is in you know a smaller suburb or a different town that may have one or none. You stuffed Mon. So, no, I'm joking. That's me being catastrophic. <laughs> yeah. You know. So so. I could create a story about, oh, my God, I can't go out and get shopping. I can't see my daughter. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. I've got to get out of work. You know, our, our, we are second in. I could create a whole story around that that, you know, that is just nonsense. It yeah. just brings me to a point of being incredibly unhealthy. Now, yeah, that's if the I'm going to go unhealthy, out and I'm not going to do my thing, I'm not going to yeah. do what I need to do and I'm not going to be diligent – well, good luck with that, Mon. You're likely to get it. <laughs> you know? So I, th- I think we do need to just keep in check. We need to, you know, we often talk about a reality check. Mm. There's a reality check about facts. Yeah. There's definitely a re- reality check about facts. And there's also a reality check about the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah, totally. And to check into the story that we tell ourselves. And the, and the, the best thing is to have, I believe, an optimistic story mm. i'm doing what i need to do i'm protecting myself and my family i'm getting on with my life i'm well i'm you know blah and blah and blah you know it's, yeah. it's not that hard when you just move to that position once we go down that that pathway of creating these stories that are unresourceful you can it's so easy to get whipped into other people's stories and meta stack stuff and you know create these monstrosity stories that are going around and oh it's like you know awful stuff yeah absolutely that's what i was going to say actually like you know especially for people that might be kind of inclined towards um feeling anxious about stuff or uh, thinking over stuff a lot like it can be hard to discern um Mm. i imagine between like what's my belief and what's someone else's belief what's um due diligence and what's not and if i worry at this enough then maybe i'll have protected myself like have you got any thoughts in terms of that like when it's other people's stuff or even you know various different governments are saying different things like Mm. and that can be tricky like how do we it's the coming home to ourself Mm. thing i guess but how do we discern between what is useful worry and as it were and not yeah look look again i think that um Different human beings, you know, as, as human beings, we actually respond and react to things differently. That's the, new, the uniqueness of a human person. Mm. And so, you know, some people will be incredibly sensitive to stuff and they'll be on what we call, you know, very high alert, very sensitive on high alert, you know, sort of taking in lots of, lots of information at a whole lot of different levels, mm. energetically, um, auditorily, you know, seeing things, you know, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be very sensitive very much engaged at a sensory level yeah and i guess i i would sort of say to those sorts of people minimize minimize the news yeah minimize tv minimize just get you know go to a a a, a respected source yeah and check in with that source maybe at a minimum once a day Mm. you know don't be don't be putting yourself in the firing line of 
all of the stuff that's happening on TV or on social media, whatever. Because, look, that's their job to sensationalise stuff. Mm. <laughs> you know, that, that, as we used to say in the old days, that sells papers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, headlines sell papers. So we need, we need, to, you know, we need to protect ourselves yeah. so that we're getting the facts that we need to, to manage ourselves, mm-hmm. but we don't need to be brought into other people's catastrophizing of it, particularly if we're a sensitive soul. And yeah. I believe a lot of creators, most creators are, Completely. because that's where their gift and their, you know, their, their wonderful ability to create, you know, comes from. Yeah. So I, th- I think in, in terms of, um, you know, your audience or the majority of your audience, I, I think that it's very important for us to mix with positive people you know, choose choose our collaborators and our friends and our circle. You know, choose them wisely, and steer clear of acquaintances and friends who have that you know tendency to dramatize stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's not healthy. It's not healthy to do it. It, it. Particularly at the moment, it's just not healthy to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that and we has... are vulnerable, and we, yeah. we are vulnerable. You know, we are vulnerable. You know, mm. this is not some little, you know, little, little jokey, jokey thing. This is, this is, it is a major crisis. So okay. I don't mean to underplay it, but at the same time, um, you know, people will, you know, people will really overdo this because of their own fear, because of their own inadequacy, because of them being out of touch with themselves, and they're just like a, you know, a cork on the water, just going in any and every direction, depending on who's saying what yeah I think we do need to protect ourselves from that absolutely yeah I couldn't agree more yeah and to just find as you said like everyone's different it'll how we feel well and whole and grounded brackets as possible on whatever day in this time is going to be so specific to each of us but I think it's like only we can be responsible for how resourced or how well or how responsible we're feeling um, and I think it's important that we don't give away that power. Like I think it's – I spoke to a friend about this the other day. Like I think as creatives we're quite used to giving away our power and maybe this time is going to be reclaiming that and being like, hang mm. on, like, you know, if we're so used to going, you know, and we talked about it in sort of the episode about grief, but the points of reference is, you know, mm. my point of reference about whether I'm doing well or what my purpose in the day is, if that's kind of been my rehearsal room or the audition panel or whatever, like – we're so used to handing away that power um, mm, to determine absolutely. whether we're good or successful or safe or going to be all right to pay the rent next month. And I think it's mm-hmm. about saying, like, where are we giving away our power in terms of our energy or our beliefs or anxiety and just bringing that back to ourselves? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's about self-leadership. Yeah. It really is. You know, it's, it's, it's about us you know just yeah taking charge of ourselves and growing up yeah you know yeah. We, we need to just grow up <laughs> yeah totally yeah i get that and owning our stuff um i had a couple of other little things written down on my list here and you mentioned um you mentioned one of them before which was this idea of meta stacking which relates to the concept of meta programming so mm. i'd love to sort of chat more about meta programming kind of the stuff that kind of tends to come up in crisis maybe is my understanding of it like what is a meta program what might be coming up for us Mm. and then what's meta stacking because i think it's really relevant right now yeah so a meta program in simple terms is 
it's a habitual thinking pattern. So, you know, we can be masters at anxiety. We can be masters at worry. We can be masters at procrastinating because those sorts of behaviours have become patterns mm-hmm. of being. And so in, um, in meta-coaching, they're called meta-programs, meaning they've been programmed into us and they run out of our awareness until they come into our awareness yeah. <laughs> and we're able to actually manage them and, you know, get some transformational flexibility around it. So, you know, not everybody has um, you know, every meta program. There's, there's actually, there's over a hundred of them. And um, there's, they often travel in clusters, meaning we, we sort of tend to have a cluster of them. Like some people may have a, a meta program of um, lacking confidence that might be, might, maybe, and a meta program usually shows up across a whole range of contexts. Mm. So, you know, it, it may show up. Um, so lacking confidence means you'd be, you'd be lacking confidence in your relationships, you'd be lacking confidence around your family, in any working environment. That meta program would be across, across your life. Yeah. Um, you know, you might lack confidence, for example, if you're giving a speech because you've never given one before. That's mm. not a meta program, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so you know, someone else might might have a perfectionism meta program. You will find that a perfectionist, a, a person who runs a perfectionist meta program, they meta pro that meta program shows up across their life. You know, they will be neat and tidy. They will not put anything out there that's in their minds not 100%. They will expect 100% from their partner, from their children, um, you know, from their work colleagues. So perfectionism is, is throughout their world, their life, their working life, their career, their business, whatever. Perfectionism drives them and it runs under them. So I hope that sort of explained what a meta program is. Yeah. You know, it's that habitual thinking pattern that is out of our awareness generally and that we often have a bunch of them. So, you know, someone who has um, <clears throat> perfectionism often also has black and white thinking. Oh, I love that one. You know, they, they, they would go together. Um, someone who has uh, confidence would, would have low self-esteem. That would be a meta program. Mm. That they would go together. Um, someone who has... Um, runs a meta program of worst case scenario. Uh, they would probably have uh, meta programs around. Um, let me just think what that would probably be. Um, they'd have fear related. They'd have fear related meta programs. I just can't yeah. think of one off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so they 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 come in clusters and once a person becomes aware of a meta program the intention here is to get flexibility around it so you know perfectionism is in itself not not a bad thing you know and i use the analogy as if i'm you know needing a brain operation you would want the top of the line perfectionism yeah to be exactly the driver in your in your doctor totally you would want him to be a perfectionist yeah. So perfectionism in itself is not a bad thing. But if you're then transferring that perfectionism, you know, that doctor, for example, who's a perfectionist in the in the operating room, if he now is a perfectionist at home with his children or, you know, a perfectionist, 
you know, with his garden that's, you know, completely trimmed and, you know, pristine and <laughs> whatever. I don't know. I can't yeah, think of totally. an example. It, it's like, why would you be expanding that sort of energy and being that silly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think so, so in getting back to fear, you know, if people are running meta programs around fear, like worst case scenario, that type of, that type of um, fear, what happens is you become, you know, you might run a meta program about fear and then you become fearful about being fearful. Yeah, and that's meta-stacking, <laughs> you know, so isn't it? Where you stack them all up on each other. You know, or I become anxious about being anxious. Yeah, I'm going to get so <laughs> anxious for this audition. I'm anxious about being anxious or, you know, exactly. I'm anxious about, you know, being anxious mm. about getting corona exactly. because it's going to make me anxious and I'm going to feel unwell. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So, you know, the, the whole sort of stacking of emotions, like there are innate emotions. You know, if you, you know, what I sort of call, I don't know what, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, at a basic level, there's natural ways that human beings respond, like, you know, natural survival type of things, the fright and flight, it's a natural thing. You know, mm. like if, if, if someone, you know, sort of punches you, an automatic response before you even have a moment to think would be to somehow rather defend yourself. That's a natural response. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when faced with something like coronavirus, if I'm sitting and I'm thinking and I'm working out this incredible B-grade movie about how it's all going to go to hell, Mm. well, I can have a choice to change that thinking. Yeah. I really can choose to change it. And that's, I think, where the power is for resourcefulness and, and, and you know, riding this wave and, you know, being being maintaining a sense of emotional and spiritual well-being in the middle of all this. Yeah, and is that kind of by, you know, if we figure out, okay, I'm probably running this meta program or I tend to do this, is it what you said before about the awareness? So you get the awareness on board and you're like, okay, I'm shining a light on this, I'm aware of doing it, like, is there anything else we can do to kind of, you know, avoid thinking in that way? Well, I think, yes, I, 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 we can challenge ourselves to do things differently. And, you know, you're right, what's the difference that may make the difference here is once I'm aware that I'm running a perfectionist, say, for example, a perfectionist or worst-case scenario or I'm, wor- I'm, I'm running the anxiety um, meta program or worry or whatever it is, mm. Once I'm aware of that, once I shine light on that, I'm now I've now shone a light on something that that wasn't lit up before. Mm. So now I have a choice to sort of say, "Oh, that's interesting. No judgment. That's interesting. I'm curious yeah. about that." So next time I'm feeling that 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 emotion of anxiety or I'm feeling the worry or I'm feeling the fear or whatever I'm feeling, that's interesting. That's it. I'm curious around that. Not judgment. I'm curious around that. I wonder if there's a way that I could get some flexibility around that. Yeah. I'm wondering if I don't sort of need to, you know, cut my hedge in my garden and pick up every single leaf and, you know, (laughs) make sure all the pot plants are all lined up because I'm running a perfectionist thing. Will, Will it make a difference? So, you know, I jokingly say to my clients, now, I just want you to go walk past leaves. I want you to move a couple of those pot plants and I actually want you to put one of them on this side. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, oh, oh, you have got to be kidding, haven't you? Like you can feel the panic because it's a habit. Yeah. You know, it's a habit. It sounds really silly, 
But it is like a compulsion. Yeah. You know, these sorts of meta programs can become compulsions. And, and so it's like, unless we sort of, it's a bit like phobia in a funny sort of way. You know, there's a lot of therapeutic practices where, you know, someone has a phobia, you bring whatever it is, you know, in, into it, you show them on a picture and then you, you know, you sort of do this desensitising type of thing. I mean, I, I don't use that because I, I think there's better ways to deal with phobias. But, mm. um, you know, the whole desensitising thing comes into play and it can be it can be really helpful when you've got a meta program. You just sort of play in the space a bit to get flexibility around it. Yeah, and I guess to feel safe in that space as well. So the meta stacking exactly. of like... I'm worried about feeling worried about this worry. Like that is kind mm. of diffused a bit and being like, oh, I can play mm. in this space without my whole world ending. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I love it. I love it. Mm. I had um, I had one extra thing that I wanted to finish up by talking about, which is the idea of transformation versus transaction. Um, mm. And... I'm not sure if we've talked about it in the podcast before, but I think it's certainly applicable in this situation um, in the world at large and what we're being called to face in ourselves, in our society, blah, 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 that we can be very like transactional. If I do this, then I will keep myself safe. If I do this, then this will happen. If I do this, I will get this job. And I think we have an opportunity to step from what, I mean, you've introduced this concept to me kind of within the last year, like, going from that place of transaction x equals y or one dollar for this or good audition equals good next job or whatever to a place of transformation could you speak about that a bit uh i can speak about that i'm not sure the the connection between the fear um would yeah. you like to speak a little bit more about that just so that I completely understand what you're asking? Robert? Absolutely. So I think the connection with the fear is I think often we feel like we're safe in the model. So let's just take it to kind of like a a performance situation or an audition situation. We feel like we're safe in the transactional model. So transactional model is I apply for a singing competition. I go... I sing very well this aria. They expect me to sing it. I do it well. In my mind, I think, great, The, the that's my part of the bargain. The other part of the bargain is hopefully they like it, they see me, they cast me as blah. I've, you know, I or anyone feel quite safe in that transactional way of being. And a lot of the arts can be quite transactional. And I think where that relates to fear is that we feel safe in it. And it relates back to the idea of the unknown that you were talking about. Fear oh. is operates in the mystery space. It operates in the unknown space. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of the chaos. We're afraid of not knowing what tomorrow holds. And for me, uh, it seems that we're being forced to move away from the transactional model as individuals, as a society, as potentially a whole arts community, are we being kind of forcibly removed from the transaction and we've come into this space of transformation? So I think that can be a scary place, but I think for me at least having the vocabulary around the difference between the transactional space and the transformational space means that I feel mostly more 
able to play and be curious about that space, which is chaos, which is everything is possible and nothing is possible, which is I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, which is the mystery basket. So I'd love to maybe just speak about the differences between those so that we can start to ease away from fear and transaction and into trust and grace and mystery and transformation. Mm. Yeah, I think um, just what came to mind when you were speaking, explaining the transaction side, sharing your thoughts about the transaction, one of the one of the downsides about, I mean, transaction is, is important, you know, it's a currency, you know, it's a currency of, that, that in that scenario is about judgment, you know, are you the right person for this role? It's mm. as simple as that, you know, there's no sort of, there's nothing really more or less than that. <laughs> yeah. know, that's, that's the outcome, you know, have you... You know, are you what we're looking for? Um, so if, if in any one of those steps along the way in the transactional mode that you, you, um, you may or a person may move to say, oh, okay, I didn't get the role, therefore which one of those, which one of those benchmarks didn't I meet? Mm. Which one of those, which one of the criteria? And then there's this, this sort of like... Um, Review of every minute thing. You might have left it thinking, oh, I sang well, I was well prepared, I did a really great job, and I, oh, what? I didn't get the job. Now you start to go back into the transaction, yeah. and the transaction is like a vortex <laughs> sucking you in <laughs> to really analyse every single step, whereas when you came out of it fresh, because you, you, you actually came from a position of, of transformation, meaning that the experience was a transformative experience for the for the listeners, for yourself. You were in the zone. You were in, you were in your genius state. All of those things were sort of you know the heavens were lined up, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so you know transaction. The transaction is 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 when it, it's a currency of uh, with a with a very defined outcome, mm. and. There is a transaction involved clearly in something like the scenario that you spoke about. However, if we approach all of our art from a tra- transactional point of view, then without being aware of the transformation that happens in me as I create my art, as I let the, the energy or the chi, whatever, whatever definition you want to put on, flow through me and I'm in the zone and I'm doing my thing and I'm feeling amazing, you know, I'm doing what I'm called to do, in my transformational zone and people who are listening to me or watching what I'm doing or witnessing or whatever um, are also being being um, enriched by themselves transforming in the face of my art, that is a totally different story yeah. to measuring outcome or um, success, if you like, through a transactional model. Mm-hmm. So when we sort of, you know, when you'll know this from our own coaching, you know, when when we're in the doing space and the doing is controlling the the productivity and the output and the success and everything like that, the judgment, the self-judgment that comes on board there is paramount of importance to the person. Like, you know, everything is under the microscope. Yeah. When you change that, micro, that, that, that um, image, and you move it to a transactional position where, as you said, it's about play, it's about chaos, it's about wonder, yeah. it's, about, it's about all of those things that, in fact, are at the essence of creativity, mm-hmm. um, then that totally changes. 
the way in which I am, I show up as an artist. So what, my behaviour, my demeanour, my emotions, my spirit, everything changes when I'm not holding fast to a transactional outcome. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And I think that's what it is. I think that's what we're being called to do as artists in the models that we are going to shift moving forward now or what we're going to fight for or what we're going to, you know, um, step into. And also I think as like, you know, privileged citizens of the world that we get to choose now, we get to say, hang on, how am I showing up to the people I love? How am I showing up to myself? How am I showing up to my creating? How am I showing up to my side hustle? How am I showing up to whatever I think there's this huge opportunity to move out of transaction, which I would I would argue keeps us in fear probably sometimes, a lot of the time, and moving into that space of transformation. Well, also it's very egocentric. Yeah. That's the thing about I mean, transaction is what's in it for me. Yeah. That's yeah. what transaction is. You know, if I give you $10, you give me a bunch of flowers. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's sort of like it's... You know, it's how the world works. I mean, we work on transaction. I'm not sort of saying we can't do away completely with transaction, but in in the mindset, if our mindset is not one of transaction, but one of whatever our values are, if it's one of, you know, one of um, service or of, you know, um, being one of love. I mean, it doesn't matter. You figure out what your own what your own values are that you want to bring to your art. Mm. To me, that changes everything. Yeah. That changes everything. See, my core values in my work, and it's interesting looking at my life over, you know, I've had a quite a lot more lives than you, but <laughs> you know, looking looking over those years, I can see that at the core, even when I was at school, at the core, my thing was all about community. It was all mm. about it was all about relating to people, mm-hmm. and it was and it was also about somehow service was a very big part of it. I didn't know it was in those days, yeah. but if I look at the various sort of career paths that my life has taken it's those two have been central yeah. to it mm. and you know someone else said what central might have been is healing might be central to their lives they yeah. might be they may be involved in healing that may be their thing mm. um you know to other people it, you know so they could heal through their music or heal through their art or heal through their job or look it does you know it doesn't really matter but but those when you know what you value, what is really deeply meaningful for you, not in terms of a, you know, a, a job description or or whatever, then then transformation is possible, yeah. really possible. Yeah, and you move out of that kind of. Yeah, you move out of those. Well, other you move places. away from striving. Then. Yeah, you know, you and move doing. away. You move away from that drive, strive, doing mentality because yeah. it, you're naturally called to want to be productive. Yeah, and you can you still know, you, do, you, but you, it's from a different just, place. Yeah, it's just, it's just, a, it's in service of the transaction. Now, I mean, in service of the transformation, not in service of the transaction outcome. Yes, and it's, I think it's quite different. Yeah, totally, totally. Oh, you are bloody brilliant. Well, thank you as ever, Monica. Oh, Emily. Oh, Monica. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I'd love to talk about today. And we can check back in 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 the coming weeks and talk more about all of this stuff and like what we're moving towards as creatives and all that kind of thing. But I think that's an awesome place to start to just hold some space for 
those tricky emotions and how we show up in them and what shows up for us and some of the choices we can make around those. Great. Woohoo. Fantastic.